Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? All right. I feel great. I sound bad. It's called allergies. And so I told the guys at both campuses today, give me a handheld because if I have a coughing fit, I don't want that thing stuck to my head. And you're like, this is terrible. So it's good to have you guys with us today. Um, we've been in a series in the book of Acts for a long time now, and we're excited to continue that series. And we'll be in Acts chapter 21, verse 10 this morning, Acts 21, verse 10. You know, as I was looking at this message and thinking about growing in faith and in our spiritual journeys, I think there's one thing that is so underrated. Like, I talked about the scriptures, right? I've talked about that to you and how important the scriptures are. I've, I've talked about reading the Bible and going through it and prayer and worship. But I think there's something we miss that radically transforms people's lives when it comes to their spiritual journey. And if I gave you a list of, you know, if you told somebody and said, I want to grow in my walk with Christ, what would you tell them? Give them two or three things. I guarantee what I'm talking about today wouldn't make it on the list. It would be way down the list. But I want to submit to you that it may be the most important thing when it comes to discipleship. I know this, that that's something big to say, the most important. But when it comes to discipleship, if this one thing doesn't happen, all the other stuff, reading the scriptures and understanding the scriptures and prayer and worship and even breaking addictions, growing won't happen. And what we get to see today is another unique passage of scripture. Last week we looked at, um, at Paul with the church at Ephesus, his friends in, in Ephesus, the Ephesians. And Luke is recording this. He's a doctor that researched all this and recorded this and acts as a 30-year history of the early church. And Luke joined Paul's team. So he's sitting there from, a, from a, you know, a perspective. Now he is with the team. He's on the team. And last week, what was really neat, Luke looked and said, from an outsider, he didn't have a relationship with the Ephesians, with those people. He wasn't there in Ephesus the whole time. He was there in Paul in his journeys, but he didn't have the relationship. So last week, it was Luke saying, hey, the Ephesians really love Paul. And this is their conversation. And he was kind of like letting us in on what he saw and heard. But today, what you're going to see is that Luke is a part of this emotional conversation today. And he's not saying what they did. He's saying what we felt, what we went through. Now, as we've established already, Paul's in his third missionary journey. And Paul's desire, ultimately, he was a Roman citizen and he was a Jew, which was very unique. His goal was to get to Rome. He wanted to teach and preach to Caesar and all the government leaders. He said if they can get the gospel, the Roman Empire can be changed. Like Christianity could really have leverage and influence in the empire. I want to preach to the top leaders. And so that was, that was his goal. That was his heart was to, to go do that. Well, what happened is that he's going to go to Jerusalem. In a few weeks, you're going to see what's going to happen to him when he goes to Jerusalem. And today, on his third missionary journey, he's talking with some friends. or having a spiritual moment in a home. And I want you to look at what goes on, and I will show you that important principle of what happens there. And this is Acts 21, verse 10. It says, several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over and he took Paul's belt and he bound his own feet and his own hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and be turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, when, when who? When we heard this, Luke was there. 
He says, we and the local believers all beg Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because they know when he goes to Jerusalem and he, and he goes there, that's it. It's a death sentence. Paul's going there to die because when he eventually gets turned over to Rome and his history and tradition tells us he was martyred, he was killed for his faith by the Roman Empire, they know it's over for Paul. And they all begged him not to go to Jerusalem. Don't go, Paul. But he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. You see Paul the man here. Last week we saw Paul the pastor. Remember that with the, with the, the, the Ephesians? The, the, I mean, Paul the pastor. Today you see Paul the friend. And he says, I am not only, I'm ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. What I want to show you here is something important. I mean, I could talk to you today about suffering. As I said last week, when you submit to the Holy Spirit and you live for Jesus, there's going to be suffering you go through. I could speak to you about the Lord's will being hard. It's not easy. And matter of fact, one of our messages down the road is going to speak about that. Because we often judge God's will by how easy things are. Like, oh, this is really easy. It must be God. This is really hard. It must not be God. And that's faulty way of thinking. You're going to mess up life. You think that way. I could preach on that. But I'm not preaching on that today. I want to share with you something that's very important. And it was very important to Paul. And it's this here. It was his friends. It was his circle. And everybody has a circle in their life. Paul had his circle of Silas and Luke and Timothy and even Mark at the end and people around him. And we have to have the same circle in our life. And I want you to know this, how important that circle is. It's going to make you or break you. And if you have your notes handy, write this down because this is what I want to talk to you about today is this, that your circle can circumvent your destiny. That's how important it is. Your circle can circumvent your destiny, meaning that the Lord has plans for you. The Lord has desires for you. The Lord has things he wants in your life. And if we surround ourselves with the wrong people or even worse, isolate from anybody, if we only talk to a pastor or just a therapist, like, I can't be, I'm a stopgap for you. Keith is a stopgap. Brian, Bond, everybody here stopgaps. If you don't have people in your life and you've not put the hard work into developing those relationships, then your circle will and can circumvent your destiny. Matter of fact, King Solomon said this. He was the wisest man ever according to God. And here's what Solomon said about relationships in Proverbs 12, 26. He says, the godly give good advice to their friends. But what? The wicked do what? Lead them astray. And if you're a young person in here, meaning that if you're like teenage years and young adult years, especially teenage years, middle school, high school, this will be the determining factor of whether or not you make really bad decisions in life. The determining factor. This is not even in my notes, but I want to share this. Some of you are mad at your parents because they won't let you hang out with certain people. You know why your parents won't let you do that? Because they know if you go around those people, it's going to circumvent your destiny. I have said, listen, it's amazing. I was a youth pastor for years that a lot of kids do really great in elementary school. Straight A's, and they're great, and your kids are wonderful. But then, can I just be honest, and then they turn out to be crackheads at 20. Good parents. Went to church. Did all I could. Do you know the tipping point for them? 
their circle. How do you know that, Kevin? That's happened to me. I wouldn't touch drugs or drinking at all. I didn't go to church, but I didn't want to eat that stuff until I got 16 years old and got the wrong circle. And I say that to you to say that, and right now I'm praying for my son, and I'm teaching him about what good friends are, what they do, um, how they influence you. We're talking about that at eight years old because his friends, he's a brilliant kid. He's bright. But the wrong circle will circumvent your destiny. And some of you don't have a circle. You fight battles by yourself. You're struggling with addiction. You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling with everything because you don't have voices. And everything I've been through in my life, people say, how did you get through it? Because I'm going to tell you what, I have got amazing friends. I don't have a pastor in my life. I don't have someone I go to and say, pastor, I need a, no, I don't have that. Now, I, I have some good therapists, let me tell you that. But I got some amazing friends that give good advice. They help me navigate tough areas in church and life and everything I've been through. And I want you to understand that today, that this will be the most important part of your life. Because this, these are the people that will shape you, that will help you understand the scriptures, that will help you understand yourself. And I want you to understand for Paul, friendship and the circle mattered. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you about what the right circle of friends look like, the right circle of people. Number one, they believe in you. They do. They really believe in you. They believe that you can do this thing. The people in Paul's life believed in him. I mean, they literally were leaving their, I mean, Luke didn't practice medicine. He got on a ship with Paul, and they went everywhere. These guys would give their lives up for Paul. They believed in this dude. They believed in his mission. Find people who believe in you. The second thing is this. They are a velvet-covered brick. Let me explain that. Now, a brick would hurt if I hit you upside the head with it, wouldn't it? Well, some of y'all hard hit you like, no, it wouldn't hurt, right? Or you're looking at your spouse saying, no, it actually wouldn't hurt you because you got an extra hard head. But if I wrap that brick in velvet, even though it's really strong underneath, it's soft on the outside. And you need people in your circle that are principle-driven but soft in their approach. They're principle-driven, but they're willing to have hard conversations and love because they just love you. And you got to have those people. If you just have bricks in your life, and we'll talk about that later, you're going to be in trouble because they're going to hurt you. If you just have velvet in your life, you're going to be in trouble because they're going to hurt you because they won't, they won't tell you anything that you shouldn't be doing. The velvet-covered brick. The next thing you have to understand about these people is this, is they want to understand you. They really care about you. They don't get on the phone and talk for two hours about themselves. They ask you questions. They want to find out how you're doing. They want to understand what you're going through. And then finally, I think one of the most important things in this circle is they challenge you to be the best version of yourself. Not only do they believe in you and they're soft in their approach, they're principle-centered, not only do they understand, but they challenge you to be the best version. You get around them, you're like, man, I want to be better because of them. Like, like, I've got friends in my life, and each one of them have different things that they give me. No one friend can give me everything, but they all challenge me in different areas to be better, to learn, to grow. And you've got to find that right circle of friends. Now, if you're wondering, here's, here's who the wrong, wrong circle of friends are. The first part is they are the criticizers. And some of you have the wrong circle. And speak to me nodding your head as I'm talking because you're realizing you're surrounded by people who just drain energy from you all day. All day, and you're letting them. You have no boundaries, and you're letting them. The first group is the criticizers. And here's what they do. 
they criticize way more than they compliment. Now, you should have some criticism from your friends. That's what good friends do, right? Only fools hate criticism. But if every time you get with someone, they're telling you what you're doing wrong and what they don't like about you, that's not a friend. Matter of fact, I have this saying, I tell the staff, we should compliment way more than we criticize. And when you start criticizing someone way more than you compliment them, the relationship will erode, no matter what relationship that is. Let me ask you this. I mean, some of you are sitting here with your spouse, and you don't have to answer the question, but how often do you specifically compliment them throughout the week? Find people who compliment you, and if you want to be a good friend, compliment other people. Don't just criticize them. The second thing is this. The second group of people are the coddlers. And the coddlers, they, they tell you only good things about yourself. You're the greatest. Nothing wrong with you. You're awesome. And yeah, you are. You're all, you are awesome, but you've got flaws and issues. And you find you need people, you don't need people in your life that always tell you the great things about you. You need people who will speak truth to you. People with an unbiased opinion that will help you understand things. You don't want to want your life full of criticizers, and you don't want your life full of coddlers either. That's, again, velvet or brick, but not velvet-covered brick. And then the other type of people in your circle, and these are really dangerous people, and be careful because they're very controlling, and it's the quarterback from the couch. Football season is a prunt us. And the quarterback from the couch says this, they have advice for things they've never experienced. They have, oh, they can tell you exactly what you should be doing. And they'll tell everybody around you in your life, well, here's what I think Johnny should be doing. If I, were, if I was Johnny, I wouldn't be doing that. Well, if I was someone, well, you're not. And some of you are the quarterback from the couch, and you drain the life out of people around you. You wonder why nobody wants to be around you. Because you're Mr. or Mrs. unsolicited advice to everybody. Can I give you a little secret? If they don't ask your advice, they don't want it. Say that again because nobody even said amen. If they didn't ask your advice, they don't want it. And you got to understand, when, when you're surrounded by quarterbacks from the couch, they're going to sit down and try to copy and paste, even if they've been through something, their situation to yours. But worse than that, they'll go through things, or you'll go through things, and they'll sit back and have all the answers. I love when somebody wants to try to help me solve a problem in church that has, has had no experience. Well, have you ever thought about this? And I'm thinking... Yeah, I have sleepless nights. I just never thought about that. I never thought about praying. Well, have you prayed about it? Yeah, thank you. Well, if I was you, here's what I would do. It's like, oh, man, that's great. But what's your name again? It's not Kevin. I'm being facetious, okay? I'm teasing a little bit. But some of you are surrounded by those people, and you feel like that you owe them something because they're always telling you what to do. And they don't know what to do in your situation. They are not you. And it's even as loving as parents are, and I'm a parent myself, there are some things in life we can't help our children with because we're not them. And they do need to chart their own path. They do need to make some bad decisions in life. Maybe they need to go, go out and try this or try that. But don't give in to criticizers, coddlers, or quarterbacks from the couch. Because here's why it's so important, guys. If we surround ourselves with the wrong people, then we will make the wrong decisions. It's that simple. If you're surrounded by even things you watch and listen to, get off of news media. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch it, but some of you are so inundated with it that you hate people that don't vote your way. You hate them. That's all you talk about. Some of you listen to garbage. 
watch garbage and you're wondering why your, your life and relationships are full of garbage. So if you surround yourself with the wrong voices feeding you, you're going to make bad decisions. I mean, find good podcasts to listen to. Find good things you can watch, you can fill your mind with, and find good people to be around with. Because if you don't do that, you're going to continually make bad decisions. I mean, think about like you know, Solomon, who was the wisest you know, man ever, had two sons who made really bad decisions and ruined his kingdom. They split it in two, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. After Solomon died, they took the kingdom, they split the kingdom, got upset with each other. Jeroboam made really bad decisions because he wanted to please people. Like, let's give them a golden calf. That's what they want. And they worshiped idols. But Rehoboam did something different. He took all of his father's advisors and removed them for young people around him that told him exactly what he wanted to hear. And he made very bad decisions and displeased God and ruined the kingdom. And I'm here to tell you today that you and I have to have that circle. That's why at Thrive, we talk about relationship, meals, M-E-A-L-S, meals, eating together, doing life together. Like I was just complimenting a group leader about hearing the laughter and the talking and people not wanting to leave their group because of relationships. Some people at Thrive had never been in a small group ever. Some of you have, have never been in a small group and you need to get in one. You're not on a serve team. You don't have relationships. You come sit, you watch, and you go home. And these relationships are so important. And the reason we push meals, why meals? Because Acts 2.42, we talked about the early church. They said they shared in meals together. They didn't have TV. They didn't have, they had each other. And they would share intimacy over a meal. They would talk and they would laugh into the, you know, hour, wee hours of the morning. Have relationship together. And at Thrive, that's what we want for you. We want you to have relationship. Because listen, circles are better than rows. The people in the small groups got it. The rest of y'all are like, I don't know what that even means. That means when you get together in the community, you get better. It pulls things out of you. You know, Brian Burgess sat here you know, a few weeks ago, my dear friends, and he'll tell you this, and I didn't know at the time I was even doing this, but I'd take him and a few other guys out to you know, a Mexican restaurant or a Chinese restaurant on Friday nights, and I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't ordained. I wasn't on staff. I wasn't a church leader. I was a young adult in church. You know what I did? I took these guys out and talked about the Bible with them. I'll never forget he would tell me, he said, man, he said, that was the most transformative time of my life because you'd say this, you'd say, you know, you guys know in the Bible it says this, and Brian would say, yes. And he said, I had no clue what it, where that was at in the Bible. I'd go home and read it because <laughs> I just lied to you. <laughs> and we sat and we grew. You know, the most transformative time of my life are the people that have shaped my life. The people that I say thank you to that took time with me. I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for a friend in my life who believed in me, who wanted the best of me, who challenged me, who told me that I had something better inside of me. And friends, I would not be here today if I would not have changed my whole circle. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, what I had to do was this. I lost every friend that I had. I've told you before, it was painful as a 20-year-old male who was used to partying every weekend, skateboarding every night with the guys and smoking weed, hanging out. I went from all these friends to no one around me, going to a church where I didn't know anybody. 
And I had one friend who hung with me in there. And the guy helped change my life. But what I made a decision was this. I made a decision to change my circle, no matter how painful it was. I made a decision to go into a church where I didn't look like these people. This is 1999, y'all, where people wore suits. It was rural. It was rural North Carolina. It was pomp and circumstance. And I had leopard print hair. I looked way different. Nothing in common. But I made, I just jumped in and changed my circle. I stopped making excuses. And here's what you have to understand about discipleship. When it comes to addiction, recovery centers do help and they matter right? Get to one. Rehab helps. But you know this if you've been in addiction and you know this for those in addiction, the main thing that keeps them connected to the addiction is not the addiction, it's the circle. It's their circle, right? You can move Johnny to Colorado if you want to, but you keep him in the same circle of people, he'll find that circle there and it all starts over again. It's the circle of friends in your life that you have to say, I want to change that. And my fear is many of us don't have that circle. We are trying to supplement it with other things. It will never supplement it. And so I want you to understand this. This is very important when it comes to the circle of friends. Surround yourself with people who have your best interests in mind. That's what Paul had. They have, they have your best, and they don't want you happy. You do whatever you want, honey, whatever makes you happy. That's what the Lord wants to so he does it. Nowhere in the Bible is that God wants you happy. He wants you obedient. Well, you just go move in with them and live with them for marriage, and you go just, just shack up and have sex for marriage. Whatever makes you happy. No. And you need people in your life say, no. Well, I'm attracted to this, this certain of the same sex. You just go do what makes you happy. I want to marry 18 people. You move to Utah and marry 18 people. That makes you happy. No. I'm being real with y'all. You wouldn't know if you ever tell somebody to go shoot up here and what makes them happy. We need people in our life who have our best interest in mind. And the best interest is what God wants for your life. That's the people who you want in your corner. Because when everything's going haywire, they're going to point you to do north. They're going to tell you to fast, to pray, to search the Holy Scriptures. They're going to tell you to seek the Lord because they want your best interest. Paul's friends did not want him to die. They did not want him to go to Rome, did they? Don't go, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Rome, you're going to die. But they had his best interest in mind, which was he had to be obedient to Jesus. And we, you and I have to do the same thing. They want the best for you, not just the best from you. And you need people like that. Well, where do I find them? Where do I get them? Number one, you're going to pray. And you're going to ask your heavenly father for the right circle. Right? That's what you're going to do because he cares for you. You know, I said this before, I'll say it again in case you weren't in church that day. Well, my therapist last year, I have a different therapist I'm going to this year for trauma counseling. Um, I, I think therapists are amazing. But I went to a therapist last year, and here's what he said to me. He said, 99% of the men who sit here with me don't need counseling. They need a community. But they don't have one. And I'm their only community. They have no friends, they don't have, or they don't have the right circle of friends. They have nobody to call and talk to. And like I said, you can try all, and the therapist, are, are, that's a stopgap. Staff members, pastors are stopgaps. They can't, they can't fix it for you. You've got to pray and ask your Heavenly Father, I want the right circle in my life. 
I get to go Thursday and Friday, and I love this. I get to go sit with six men who are men of God, who are leading great churches, who are great fathers, who are great husbands. And I get to spend two days with them planning about how we're going to train other pastors this year. But I'm just not excited about learning what we're going to do with the content. I get to be around men of God who love the Lord Jesus. And that, listen, you want those people to pray. And here's what you're going to do secondly. You're going to go fish in the ponds to find those people. You're going to join a small group. You're going to join a serve team. Some of you have never been on a mission trip before. And you're going to go on a mission trip and meet one of some of the best friends of your life. Because you're going to bond on that mission trip. And you're going to find that circle. But you can't just pray and sit around. Go fish in those ponds and ask God. And can I just say this to you? I want to be realistic. That's who I am. I'm, I'm Mr. Realist. Like, never forget the day I was asked to tell my son that wishes don't exist. Or tell him about wishes. I said, son, wishes don't exist. They aren't true. We don't wish. He was four years old. So we pray. It's not the way you address a four-year-old who wants to wish about something, right? <laughs> you wish in one hand and spit in the other, so which one fills up faster. So I want to be realistic with you about your circle, then I'm going to give you some things you can do to, uh, to really look at how to find that circle. Realistically, to get to gold, you've got to mine through a lot of dirt, meaning that everybody you meet is not going to be that circle. You're going to have relationships and friendships with people who just, it's not going to be that. It's okay. Don't get upset. To find those three people, those five people in your life, and maybe you have them, maybe you don't, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of digging, and you're going to wait for the Lord, and he will, if you want it, he'll bring it to you. But what do those people look like? Here's three questions you got to ask about them. The first thing is this here. How well do they know the Lord? When you're thinking about people, these, this right circle, Paul had Agabus. Agabus knew the Lord. He had a word from Paul. Like the Lord gave him. There's nothing better than a good friend, a dear friend who has prayed for you and says, man, the Lord laid this on my heart for you. It is like apples of gold in settings of silver, as Solomon says in Proverbs. It is beautiful. It is refreshing to the soul. Some of you never had that before. And the Lord wants to give that to you. He wants to give you that type of friend. How well do they know the Lord? When, you're, when somebody is telling you something, when somebody's in your life and trying to give you advice and tell you what to do, do how well do they know Jesus? Not that they know how well. Have you ever heard them quoting scriptures? Have they ever prayed for you? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in their life? If you don't see any of that, I don't care what title they have in front of their name. I don't care how, how much they grace a stage at a church. They don't know the Lord. They know how to do church and fool a lot of people. They don't know Jesus. How well do they know Jesus? Do they journal? Do they hear from? That's what I want to know. The people in my life, that's what I have. The second thing is this. Not only how, how well do they know the Lord, but this is important. How well do they know you? Because somebody can know Jesus all day and give you really bad advice. You know why? Because they don't know you. Your story is unique. What you went through as a child is important for them to know. What you've been going through is important because what they'll do, if not, if you just try to get advice just as my who just knows the Lord, they're going to give you scriptures and generic advice, but they don't know you. 
Find somebody who wants to know you and cares about you and your story and what you're going through. Because then they can hear from God and they can give things to you that's just for you, just like Paul. Agabus said, Paul, it wasn't generic. He gave him a specific word for his life. And finally, here's the last thing that you got to ask. Who are the voices in their own life? How well do they know Jesus? That's important. How well do they know you? But here's what you want to know too. Who's feeding them? Who is their, who is their circle? If somebody's trying to give you advice or tell you something, who are the people in their life speaking into their life? And if they can't give you that, or they skirt around it, probably not good advice. Probably not good friends. Because you want people who have a powerful circle to be a part of your powerful circle in your life. My hope for you guys is that you will find the right circle. My hope for you, if you're a young person in here, that you will pray and say, God, send me the right friends. I'm willing to be lonely so I don't lose my destiny. If you're a parent, pray for your child, even at a young age, to have wisdom to discern what friends to have. Pray for that circle. And if you're in here today and you don't have that circle, you pray for that. And then you put legs to it. Because I want you to be transformed, to experience all God has for you. And I can tell you, read the Bible and pray, come to church, serve, that's all good. Get the right circle. That will transform your life. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray in here today that you would give us the courage to take the steps, to pray and take the steps to find the right people. Lord, if we have those people in our life, some of us need to just send a text out today and say, thank you for being that to me. Father, I pray if we have the wrong circle, we would gently and lovingly step away from that circle and begin to fade into the background of that to walk into our next circle. I pray, God, that our church will be full of godly friendships that challenge, that spur, that inspire. I pray that, Lord, in the beautiful, wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. As we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe the next friendship you need to have is a friendship with Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. Today is your day. He is the God who saves and redeems, and he wants to save you and redeem you today. He wants to be your king and your friend, your Lord and your friend. So right now, where you're sitting, if you don't make that decision to say the next friendship I'm going to make is with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I need Jesus. I surrender to you today. I give my life to you. I repent and turn from my old life. And I receive forgiveness of sins. For I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross. And I believe he rose again on the third day. Today I confess Christ as my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for being the best friend I will ever have, Jesus. It's in your good name we pray. Amen, amen.